Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. I love that I have like my own theme music playing when I get up here. Thank you so much for making me sound cool. (laughs) See you guys. Have a great service tonight. Is my daughter still in here? Be good. (laughs) Learn something. Get it, guys. Let's open in prayer real quick. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for the word that's going to be going across all across this campus, Lord, from the children all the way up through us, Father, uh, the student ministries and, and in here, Lord. I pray, God, that tonight that we would hear a truth that would set us free because it says that your truth has set us free. And, and, and Lord, tonight I pray, God, that as we're learning, as we're starting a, a series on Wednesday night about faith, I pray, God, that that would stir up within us. And it's like the parable that Jesus uh, spoke about the, the different types of soil. I pray, God, that the word that is spoken all across this campus, Lord, would fall on soil that is good soil. That the word that, it, it, that is in your word, Father, that's in your Bible that, that you put for us, I pray, God, that it would get inside of our hearts and it would be like a seed that would be planted in us and that we would, we would water it, we would nurture it just like in a garden and it would grow and it would bear fruit. And what that means, Lord, is when I pray that, I pray, God, that, that we would see your word in action in our lives. In Jesus' name, help tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. 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 Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for your word. See, I can't get enough of the word. The word is what changed my life. The word is what caused my relationship with with God to go from superficial and nothing to bringing me through, like Troy was talking about, through those hard times. And the word, and the students know my, my, my phrase that I taught them, read your stinking Bible, and my Bible is stinky because of how often I read it and where I read it and how I read it. I read it when I drink coffee. I read it when I'm eating breakfast. I, I read it when I'm eating midnight snacks, and I, I read it. I consume it, and, and my wife's here, so I have to be careful what I'm eating at my desk at my office. <laughs> it, it smells like what I'm eating because my food gets on my hands, and I'm constantly touching my Bible. I'm going through my Bible. It's stinky. So, um, But I love that smell. I love the smell of a worn, used Bible. And I, I was... Um, my grandfather is still alive, um, who's been a uh, pastor for over 60 years and, or in the ministry for over 60 years. And, and um, he isn't, he's not dead, but I inherited his Bible. He goes through Bibles quite frequently, um, and every so often he'll get a new one, and he, he gives that Bible away. And so I have one of his Bibles, and it smells like it's used. I love the smell of his Bible, and it's, it's something that I hold very dear to me, and, um, and uh, I, I don't even use it. I don't, I don't, I don't use his Bible, because um, it's very well used, and it might fall apart if I use it, and because and my Bibles, they see a lot of use, and usually thrown across the room at something or someone, and, uh, <laughs> and so I didn't want to destroy it, but it smells like it's been read. 
and my question for you guys tonight is, does your Bible smell like it's red? And the students know, the students know that I ask them that, or I say that all the time to them, you need to read your stinking Bible. You read your stinking Bible. And I ask them, what does Pastor Josh always say? And they all pipe up, read your stinking Bible. It's so important. And I know it's important because at 15 years old, my life was forever changed because I decided to start serving the Lord. And I don't mean uh, uh, that I was saved because I was saved at a younger age and, and we all have our stories of, you know, hardship through teenage years or whatever and we, you know, we, we, we say, oh, I, no, I'm not a Christian and whatnot. And, but at 15 years old, I remember specifically being on a beach in California. Um, who's ever seen the movie, I shouldn't probably say this in church, but the movie The Birds, Alfred Hitchcock, Hitchcock's The Birds, right? I was at that, that beach. And, and I know, you got saved at the beach where the birds were, you know, the eyes pecked out and all that fun stuff. And yes, I was at that beach and decided at that moment that I was going to serve the Lord. And, and that night, I went home and I found my Bible and it was, you know, one of those cardboard hard you know, kids' Bibles, because I had never bought a Bible. Why would I buy a Bible, right? That's stupid. I'm going to spend $30 on a book. I don't even read, right? You know, at 15, that's what a 15-year-old thinks, that it's not, you know, serving the Lord at all. And, and I found it, you know, at the bottom of, you know, a junk drawer somewhere in my room that I had, you know, underneath all the junk, you know, half-eaten chocolate bars and stuff. And and I dusted it off and I started reading it and I, it changed my life. And from that moment on, every single night for years, um, I read it until two, three, four in the morning um, constantly. And I took notes. I got a notebook and I went verse by verse and started just studying the Bible. And every verse that I would read in the New Testament, I went book through book, uh, book from Matthew all the way through Revelation. In fact, I started in the book of John. And, uh, and then had to go back through Matthew, Mark, and then Luke later. And I went verse by verse, and I wrote out what I thought it meant. And then when I, by the time I got done with that, I was so hungry. I was like, what's next? So I went through the Old Testament and then did that, and I hated it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, why am I doing this? <laughs> okay, you're not asking me to. I'm not going to do it. So I went through a couple of those and then went back to the New Testament, and I did it again. And I went through verse by verse, and then later after I was done doing it a second time, I went back and I looked at my, both of those notebooks, that, you know, those school notebooks that you get write notes on, and I took them, and they're both completely full of my notes. And I took them verse by verse, and then I did it a third time and started looking at what the difference was in what I felt that scripture was telling me. And I saw what I was like here and then what I was like here, and I'm like, that looks or sounds like two different people writing, like completely different human beings, two different completely perspect uh, different perspectives, and I'm like, whoa, and I just saw growth in myself, and in that moment, I started getting encouraged that there was hope for me, because I grew up without hope. I grew up in a, in a dark place. I did, not, I, I, I did not know joy. I only know, knew fear. In fact, one of the first times I remember ever feeling fear was at five years old when my brother forced me to watch the movie Jaws when it first came out on TV. 
yeah, I just threw my brother under the bus. <laughs> and I, I said he forced me. He didn't. I was five. I was like, whoa, what's that? Ah! You know, and, you know, you go back and watch that movie now and you kind of laugh at it. You know, look, you see the robot mouth, you know. And, but I remember, and I experienced fear. And every night I used to have, um, who, who's ever heard of night terrors? And I, I grew up with night terrors. My family had to watch me at night, at night because I would, do things and go places and, and, and not remember any of it. And I would be screaming just bloody murder all through the night, uh, walking different places and experience real life like I thought it was, but I was dreaming. And, and I didn't know that there was life other than that. And this word, all the way through that, through the insecurities of, of teenage years that every, uh, every teenager feels, uh, through the depression, through the, you know, everything that I experienced, this word changed me. And tonight I want you guys to see, we are going to be talking for the next couple weeks. In fact, I'm, uh, um, I want you to know this is only part one. Make every effort, I, I beg of you, make every effort to come on Wednesday nights, next Wednesday, the Wednesday after that. Come every Wednesday during this series. I'm always come on Wednesday nights is what my, my thing is. Anytime the church doors are open, I'm here. I just, uh, uh, just that's just me. And, and that has nothing to do with me being a pastor. I'm not forced to be here. I choose to be here. He could, if Pastor Don, he would have to physically keep me from being here because that's just my life. Even when I wasn't on staff at a church, I was there whenever the doors were open. Why? Because I hungered for this. Because I know what other than this looks like. I know, and it's not good. It's not a happy place. But tonight we're gonna be starting a series on faith, and I wanna talk to you tonight about Relational faith versus religion. Religious faith. Relational faith versus religious faith. And I feel that that is incredibly important because I came growing up, even after I started serving the Lord, I had, I had relig I, I started learning religious faith. And religion's great if you're doing what real undefiled religion is, which is found in James, and it's taking care of widows and orphans and, and helping homeless. That's pure and undefiled religion. But in, it, it, so if you call me religious, yeah, I am, because I take care of, uh, of, well, the kids that I, I sponsor isn't um, an orphan, thankfully. He's still got a mom, but I sponsor them and, uh, you know, through uh, Compassion International. And, and the widows, we take care of widows. And, and, and homeless, we take care of homeless. That's just my life. So in that sense, I am religious. And I'm very proud of being religious because religious means an act of service to someone. And so, but if you call what I do with this religion, I'll you know, politely laugh in your face because this has nothing to do with religion. This is not religion. Me having my life change, if somebody tells me religion changed my life, I always, I'm like, man, no, no. Man, I can't, I can't tell you in a thousand different ways because it's not adequate enough that that's not what changed my life. Religion church, what we would call religious church is not what changed my life. 
having faith is what changed my life. So I want to open tonight with this statement. And if you're taking notes, you can, if you have the, uh, the app, you can find the live notes. It's a great way of, of following along with the, the different scriptures and, you know, different, there's a couple different fill in the blanks tonight. You can follow along if you're taking notes or even if you're like me and like to write things down um, physically with a pen, uh, you can do that as well. But I want you to hear this. God is not a good luck charm to be pulled out whenever you are in need. God is not a good luck charm. He's not, and I don't mean this offensively, but uh, I grew up in, I, I'm a Californian by birth and a Texas, Texan by choice, and growing up in California, we have all religions and all cultures, and it's a mesh pot. It's, 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 a, it's a world cultural mush everything all together. And so my um, barber that I went to for, you know, 15 years, I believe she cut my hair for 15 years, she had a Buddha and uh, would always rub his belly. And I asked her why she did it just out of curiosity because I started going to her when I was real young and I'm like, why do you do this, Lee? And she said, because it brings me good luck and fortune. God is not a Buddha, and I don't say that offensively, to rub his belly like to bring fortune or good luck to you. God's not something you pull out of your pocket like a, a rabbit foot whenever you're, you're in need or you're nervous or something. You, he's not that, and if that's who he is to you and that's all he is to you, then I want you to listen very carefully tonight. God is not a good luck charm to be pulled out whenever you are in need. Let me finish the statement. So therefore, faith is not a good luck charm to get whatever you want. And after I got saved, I went off to Bible college and I, 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 I jumped into a camp um, that was teaching me deeper things than I was getting taught and learning myself. And, and I started uh, getting mentored under certain men and and one of the things that some people were like, oh, let me, you're just a name it, claim it person. Or you, you, you say, you know, the word faith and, and a lot of people look at you kind of strange and they're like, oh, you're in the faith camp, you know? And I'm like, I don't even know what that means, you know? And you're a name it and claim it. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and a lot of people would say that to me, including my own family um, uh, members. And, and I would I'd look at them kind of strange and, I'm like, no, it's, no, no, that's religion. <laughs> that if you're gonna take faith and start putting it as a substance, as an entity unto itself, that's religion, man. I, I don't understand that whatsoever. And, and you might even be thinking on that, on that statement, of course God's not a good luck charm. God, I would never dream of thinking God as a good luck charm, but what happens if we're using him like a good luck charm? It's only, we only go to him when we're in need. We only use him, use him when, you know, we lose our job or we're, we can't make ends meet or we're feeling depressed or a family member, um, uh, 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 heaven forbid, dies. Or We use him only when it's a necessity to us. Then God suddenly becomes religion. Faith suddenly becomes religion instead of relation. 
And we even like to quote this, especially in church, especially Christians. And John 15, seven, it says this in the New King James. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. I could preach that right now, right? I, I, I quote that all the time. In fact, John 15, my wife can tell you, is my favoritest of all chapters in the entire Bible. Whenever she sees me, she's like, let me guess, you're in John 15. Yes, yes I am. It is my favoritest of all chapters, and I am always there. In fact, my Bible opens up to it. It's there. Nope, that's Philippians, okay. <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna test it. <laughs> it, it, it. That's just where my Bible naturally will turn most of the time because I'm always studying and I'm always living there, but it's about abiding. And we love these scriptures, especially when it comes to faith, because we think that if we have enough faith, it, it, it says at the end of it, you can ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. And, and we use that like, yes, I can ask whatever it is that I desire. And if I just use my faith to to speak out in faith because it's in the Bible. I'll get whatever it is that I want. Now I'm gonna go into relational faith versus religious faith, and I want you to see in John 15, seven, that verse is about relation. The first thing that you see in that scripture in John 15, verse seven, and if you read the Bible in context, which if you read the Bible in any amount of time, you need to read it in context. What's the verse before say? What's the 16 verses before it say? Who is Jesus talking to? What's the verse after it say? And we like to just pick and choose which verse we want to read that day. And I'm like, oh, no. Because if that's the case, I'm going to like open up my Bible. I'm going to do this. I'm, <clears throat> Judas hung himself. Well, that's weird. Lord must be saying something to me. Go and do likewise. Oh, no, you know, and, and, and we're not reading the Bible in context, and we don't understand what it's saying. If we go back in John 15, Jesus is saying, abide in me. If my word abide, and this is what it says at the beginning. I'll read it again. Let me just turn over there because I moved my Bible. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, stop there. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, what do I see there? The word abide means to continually live in. To abide in him and his word abide in you. If you want to have faith for something great, go at it. But how do you do that? You have to have relational faith. Jesus was saying, have a relationship with me. It's like what my wife and I talk, discuss all the time. Are we just roommates or are we married? No, we are married. We're not just roommates. We have to have a relationship. There has to be dialogue going on. If I'm to ask her, honey, I'm hungry, and I never, ever talk to her. Wait, do I do that? Okay, thank you. I, was like, I thought she just said I did that. I'm like, no, wait, wait did I? Oh. <laughs> but if I were to just say, honey, my, my socks are really stinky. They haven't been washed. I need to go wash my socks. If I just were to treat God like I, or treat my wife like, like some people treat God, she honestly, if I can say this in church, she would probably divorce me. And and maybe that's why the divorce rate in the church is higher than it is in the secular world. Because we start treating our wives like we treat God. 
just asking her or telling her what it is that we need or we want. I am sick. Bring me my, heal me. It's like, I want breakfast in bed. Feed me. You know, I mean, she'd slap me. <laughs> or she, she'd throw an egg at me or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> I would throw an egg at me if I talked to my wife that way. <laughs> but that, he's saying, have relationship with me and let my word abide in you and Mark. Let me read this and you can see this in notes. It says this, is what happens in life sometimes is that we get so caught up in a formula, we just want someone to tell us what to do. And then when we do just that, we get results. But we forget that faith isn't a formula. And if you're following along and fill in your notes, it's faith is relational. Faith is relational. That's what it is. Faith cannot be religious. And when I worked in the secular, I've been a pastor for uh, 18 years and, and I've always, was always had a, a, a working as a pastor in, in California, it's very hard to just live on a pastor's salary. So I'd always have a, a full-time job um, in the secular world and one of those was First American and, and um, you know, the title company. And um, I worked for their geological survey department and uh, one of the things that we had a group training was this, who's ever seen the book or even the YouTube series, The Secret, 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 Secret. You've seen that? It's creepy. I had to read the book for that. It creeped me out because they took the concept of faith and put it into a secret, secret. And it creeped me out. I'm sorry if, if you love the secret. It's creepy. I'm sorry. The very beginning of the whole, uh, um, we also did the YouTube, or it was, there was before YouTube, um, the video series, and it, it's creepy, man. They tried to take faith and make it religion without the label of religion. And people understand faith. It's like, if only I believe enough, this bicycle will suddenly be outside of my house one day. And they use that as an example. And I'm like, man, you messed up. You just flaky. <laughs> you like some Christians, I know. But none of you are in this room. None of you are like that. <laughs> Mark eleven twenty two and 23. It says this. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. The first main point Jesus wanted us to see before he even said this, because this is, this is a foundational scripture. We all should know this scripture inside and out, all the way uh, through verse 25. Mark 11, 20 through 22 through 25. You need to have that in you. It needs to be just like a constant thing rolling around on the inside like a marble in a barrel. It's just rolling around constantly. You always hear it. It should be just in there. Why? Because it is a foundational scripture on, on faith. And faith, if it's relational, will change your life. Faith, if it's relational, will, will get you from a place here to a place here. Of a place of defeatism to a place of victory. And I'm going to be building on that next week as well. 
That's why in verse 22, Jesus said, have faith in who? God. He didn't just say this, and he could have. And this is how most Christians believe this scripture, just have faith. Just have faith. If I believe hard enough, I'll get whatever it is that I say. If I just scrunch down and it's, I just have enough faith, I'll get it. Oh, I must not have had enough faith because I didn't get what I needed. And, and that is, I am so sorry that if you've ever been taught that, I am so sorry. I apologize on behalf of whoever taught you that because it is not true. The very first thing to getting anything from God, any type of, any of his promises, anything that he says, it all falls down to the very first thing Jesus said, truly I say to you, have faith in God. Have a relationship. Jesus was all about teaching relationship and getting out of religion. That's what Jesus' whole foundation was. Get rid of religion, not get rid of it. It has its boundaries, it's great. It's, it's, it was supposed to bring you to relationship. And that way, religion would slowly just fade away during the days of Jesus and relationship would take root and take its place. Relationship. So what is faith? What is it? Okay, I'm a, I'm a student ministries pastor. Hi, my name is Joshua Pinkston. I am the student ministries pastor here at Tree of Life Church. And if you've logged online, I appreciate you being here. You should have class participation. So you can text me. No, I'm kidding. Don't text me. What is faith? I like class participation. I'm sorry. I've worked with students for 18 years. It's, it's ingrained into me. What is, what is faith? Not, you, my wife can't answer this. Yes. What's that? Belief without seeing, okay? So let's break it down even simpler. I like simple. I work with students. I have to make things sometimes simple for me to even understand them. Yes. Okay, relationship with God. Let's just use one word, and she said it at the very beginning. Belief. Okay, simply what I believe. Oh, bam, whoa, holy smokes. <laughs> I know, right? That just breaks down every. You're like, okay, that was really boring. What I was, th no, it's not exciting. You're absolutely right. There was no like revelation there. I, and faith is simply what you believe. That's all. Faith is not a thing that you have to attain or or, or, or scrunch up enough to get. It's not a person. It's not Jesus. It's just what you believe. It's simply what you believe. Hebrews 11.6 says this, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. What's that word? Must, must what? Must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith it's impossible to please him. So we see faith is, is kind of rather important. We, I serve God. 
I don't just be a Christian just because I'm an American and just because my grandfather was and my father and my great great you know I don't I'm not a Christian just because I um, I'm this or that I'm a Christian because I believe in him and I serve him I don't look for what he can do for me he's already done everything for me I don't need God I don't need him. I mean yes of course I do need uh, yes I need everything from God but I don't I don't be a Christian to get stuff from God. I'm not a Christian, uh, so I have this special, you know, highway, okay, God bless me. No, I don't. I'm, I'm about serving him. I exist now to please him. And I, re- I see this verse, and it says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So therefore, I know that faith is rather important. Now, let me read this to you. Uh, Kenneth E. Hagin said this, and, and I like this, so I'm, I'm gonna read it to you and make it my own If God demands that I have faith to please him, and it's impossible for me to have faith outside of God giving it to me, then I have a right to challenge God's justice. That would just be messed up. I'd have to wait for God to give it to me before I could please him. And that's a belief. A lot of people, and there's even a scripture that says God gives a measure of faith to every single one of us. Yes, absolutely, he has. And now it's our job to actually use it. (laughs) Right. That went over like a lead balloon. But if he places within my hand the means to have faith produced in my life, then the responsibility rests with me whether I have faith or not. How do we get a relationship with Jesus? By, by what are we what? Not of works, lest any man should boast. Does anybody know that scripture? I kind of butchered it, I'm trying to. By grace you are saved through what? Faith. How do we get saved then? By, okay, um, but that's, grace is God's portion of it, and then how, but how do we get that God's portion of it into our life? By grace through what? Faith. Through what? Faith. You are saved by faith, not grace. What? You are saved by faith through grace because without the faith, the grace would not be activated in your life. Next week, I'm going to be teaching the difference between faith and grace. It's going to be really good. You should come. I'm going to keep going. So, how do you get great? How do you get and grow your faith in the last couple minutes? Anybody? Anybody know that the, the scripture Romans chapter ten verse seven? I don't know that by anybody. Romans ten seven? No. Okay, I'll tell it to you. <laughs> So faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. I, I had a teacher that taught it me, to me this way. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And in your case, hearing, 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 and hearing the word of God. Some of us, it takes a little bit longer of hearing to get that, just to get that belief system in us. Now, I'm going to get down real quick because I want you to see the difference between relational faith and religious faith. Only, only two main ones that I want you to see tonight. Um, relational faith is all the time. All the time. Uh, a mentor of mine said, you should be believing God for something every single day. Every day, even if it's a nickel. Just believe God for something every day. And you're like, that sounds like religious faith. Okay. 
It is a life in the word building and growing in faith. It is a life in the what? In the word. Growing all the time. Growing in faith. Religious faith, though, is used only in times of need or want. Faith, it's based on sermons or what someone said or even on some scripture you read a couple times. Ouch. And I've been there. And there's times that it's hard for me to get the word in a lot of times. It's hard for me to just be chewing on the word a lot of the times because I've got, you know, life happens. I understand you got a job, you got a family, you got your hobbies, you've got your neighbors, you know, standing next to your car waiting for you to, you know, when you get home and wanting to talk your ear off. I know life is busy. I know. And there are times that I have to just remember, what did the Bible say? Because I haven't had my word today or, oh man, it's been a couple days. Oh man. And I know what that's like. (laughs) Okay, cool. Early Christians didn't have the word like you and I had to live on it, but then get back into it. Get back into it because if we're only getting the word in an incremental time, if we're only getting the Bible, the truth of God's word into us only, and you might be thinking, well, is the Bible that important? (laughs) Yes. It's life or death. How, how can you say that? Because there's, there's so many, I could go into you know, just the reasons why the Bible is, is the inerrant, absolute, truthful word of God that has no error whatsoever, and I could spend literally a year teaching you on that, but I'm not because I've got three minutes left. <laughs> Everybody turned and looked at the clock. <laughs> Where was I? But we can't only get it in incremental cycles. We've got to get it into us constantly. And this is what I try to teach my son. Son, read the Bible. When should I, Dad? And what should I? And how should I? Okay, read it now. Okay, I'll read it now. Read this chapter. Okay, and I'm teaching him. Okay, now read it again. Dad, I already read it today. So? I I try to get the word in twice a day at two different portions of the day. In the beginning and the end. I try to. I really do. It doesn't always happen, but I I try to have it with coffee, and I I try to have it around right before I fall asleep um, in my alone time that my wife um, hates me having, because she's like, why are we not falling asleep together? You know, every wife's complaint with the husband that stays up. Um, But because we have religious faith, though, that's why so so many Christians are not getting what they ask for in prayer. Who has never received something they ask for in prayer? I mean, the rest of you just haven't thought hard enough. <laughs> okay, They're, because we're not asking in relational faith, because we don't even know what the Bible says about what we're asking. We don't even know what the, Lord, I lost my job, give me another job. Quote me a scripture. It's what I feel like asking people. Yeah, you lost my job. And I have had to do this. I've, I've lost my job before. I've, I've been unemployed during, you know, the stock market crash, all of that. I've been there. I've done that. Like, okay, what does the Bible say about the Lord providing work for people? Uh, I have no idea. Go find out. Google it. Google's a great source if you use it right. Man, there's questions I ask Google all the time. I'm like, hey, Google, what, show me all the scriptures um, talking about jobs. And you, you'll find 57 different verses on it. It's amazing. And then don't just read them online. Go get your Bible, though. 
that can be a great source of reference to, okay, now I'm going to go to, you know, Job 10, verse 25. I'm going to go to, you know, this verse over here. I'm going to go to all these different verses. But then go in your physical Bible and read them. Just something about the smell. Garlic. This type of faith leads people to coming up with all kinds of beliefs on the nature of God. And because of these experiences, because of this relation or this religious type of faith, sorry, they're forming beliefs on experiences instead of on the truth of the Bible. Man, I used to believe something. I, I, I came from a certain camp. I won't name what it was. And, and I had a statement that I came up because this is just how I was taught. You know, they didn't necessarily say this exact quote, but I came up with a quote because of how they taught me. And I, I was like, yeah, because I'd go on missions trips um, in my teenage years. And, and I would say, yeah, man, everybody I'd pray for on the missions field would get healed. And I'm like, and I'd come home and I'd try to pray for people and nobody get healed. I'm like, what? <laughs> so weird. So because I had that experience on the missions field, and coming home, nobody was getting healed when I'd pray for them, I started coming up with this belief system that people would tell me, oh, it just wasn't God's will to heal them at the moment. Oh, yeah, you, okay. So I believe God heals people. Of course, I'd be an idiot. I've seen people's arms grow out of their, you know, where there's no arm. I, that's pretty dumb for me to believe not, or not believe in healing when I've seen it. And, and, and so I came up with this statement, yeah God, yeah, God will heal you either here you know, later on there or in the air when you get to heaven. God ultimately will heal you. And I believed, I came up with that belief because of an experience I had. Not because of what the Bible said. Because nowhere in the scripture does the Bible say that God's will was not to heal them now. Find it. Find it. Oh, that man went on his way. Yeah, being healed. There's nobody, no, no, nowhere. You can't find it, especially with Jesus. I mean, especially with Jesus, and Jesus is our example. Yeah, you're like, but you know, Elijah told, you know, what's his name to go dip in the thing six, seven times, and then he was healed the seventh time. That's, that means time, and God only was willing to heal him after time. Read the New Testament. Let's stop coming up with belief systems based on Old Testament or experiential things, because Somebody once taught us that. What did Jesus say? The power of God was there to heal them all. And everywhere Jesus went, he went preaching, teaching, and healing all that were sick and afflicted of the devil. All. How many is all? Couple? No. All is all. Everywhere he went, that's what he did. Experiences should be judged based only on how that experience is associated with the truth of what the Bible says. If you were asked for healing and you haven't been healed when you prayed or when somebody else prayed for you, and don't go away and form a belief saying that it must not have been the Lord's will to heal me. The Lord gave me this sickness. Well, this sickness was for the glory of God, just like that one guy said. Find another scripture. Scripture always interprets scripture. And I'm not here to make you feel guilty. But just like my teacher broke down the holy cows in my life, I want to teach you something because in three weeks, not next week, the next week, but in the next week, we are going to be having a healing service, a family healing service. And I want to get enough word in you because I know it's not the will, it's not God just waiting to heal you. It's, the, it's faith that has to be grown in you. 
to receive it. Jesus, when he was praying for the woman with the issue of blood, what did he say? It's your faith that made you whole. So how do you get faith to be whole? You do it by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God until finally that word of God on that subject is so real to you that that's what is real to you. That's relational faith, knowing who Jesus is to you. If you don't have a job and you need a job, go get in the word and start reading everything that Jesus ever said about provision. If you haven't been able to pay your bills, go, every, go to every scripture, go Google it and find out every single scripture, Old and New Testament, that Jesus talked about blessing you. Go ahead, go find it, not listen to a podcast. Don't even listen to me. I don't know what I'm talking half the time. Well, okay, I do, but <laughs> go find it in the word. Don't get it through experiences. Don't get it through a teaching. Go get it in the word. Paul went and got everything that he learned in the desert by himself, the Holy Spirit teaching him for many years. That's what happened. He went and got in this. Jesus, what did he do? He quoted the word. Get in the word. Man, you might be talking, asking me, saying, Pastor Josh, that's great and all. How do, I, how, do, how do I even start with this faith? And I want you to know, faith only happens relationally when you have a relationship with Jesus. That's where it always starts. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.